you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Amen. All right, so today we are in the fourth chapter of Acts, and I'm going to invite my friend uh, Kendall Vanekamp uh, up. Uh, Kendall is a member of the directional team, which is the elder board um, here at Invitation uh, he also, uh, I can tell about where you work, too. We could do that. Uh, oh, you don't, he doesn't want me to. He works for HDR. So if you are passionate about wetlands, I will tell you, I have, Kendall's forgotten more about wetlands than I'll ever know in my life, okay? So that's just kind of what his, what his vibe is. So I'm hoping that you could read this for us and you could give us a wetlands fact. Could you do that? Just like off the top of your head, do you have like some something we wouldn't know about wetlands? I'll read this first. You'll read it first, and then he's going to give us a fact. Welcome to Invitation Church, everybody. I, you know the wetlands fact. I don't know. I, this this Thanksgiving, I thought about dressing up as a swamp man, but that didn't happen. It was it was one of those good ideas that just didn't come to fruition. So. Uh, that's my wetlands fact, so, sorry. Um, Acts 4, 23 through 31. On, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did that, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Awesome. Can we say thank you to Kendall? That'd be great. So we get to talk about boldness today. So I don't know if you've been in a moment in life, you've encountered someone that made a bold choice in what they were wearing. Like maybe it's a child, right? So maybe it's 20 minutes before school starts and you're kind of doing the school hustle, is what we like to call it in our house. And they come up and it's like, oh, that's an interesting choice that you have going on today. Uh, maybe it's a coworker that we're not going to say any names or anything like that in here, but you've probably encountered people. It's like, yeah, I don't know that I would wear that hat, but I love that for you. There's like a boldness to that, but I also want to talk about a couple pictures. We can do that first one. So this is bold, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not advocating that this is a great way to get that lawnmower in the back of the truck, um, but that is one way. Also, um, hot dogs at the gas station. Bold choice. Not sure that that's like a really great idea for anybody under 40, 
But people are over 40, you're like, you, okay, we'll just keep moving on. Um, there's another one, yeah, this like tightrope. Yeah, that, I'm not sure that's a real picture, but if it was real, I'm frightened by that. And then we've got another one too. So I don't know if you've been in this moment, and there's one diaper. And you have to go somewhere. And you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to take this one diaper, and we're going to pray that everything goes according to how I would like for it to go. Bold. Bold to go anywhere with one diaper, and all the parents said amen. And then we've got one more. So I don't know if you've ever been at, like, a sporting event, and they do, like, a jumbotron proposal before. Um, this is one that happened a couple years ago. This is Carlos Correa. Uh, he is a short, well, he was a shortstop for the Astros, and then he went to the Twins, and now he's leaving to go somewhere else. It's fine. So I don't know why I'm bringing that up today. I'm bringing it up today because he wins the World Series, and then on national television, he's asking his girlfriend a question. You can tell he's asking her a question because she's covering her mouth because she's so surprised. This is bold. This is Ken Rosenthal with the microphone. I love how he's just in this moment, too. I don't know how you feel. When you're like at the Canaries, or you're at the Sky Force, or you're at the Storm, and then there's this like sweet little man who gets down on one knee and he's asking this person who they've w lived some life together, and he's asking, hey, do you want to live some more life together? I don't know about you, but I feel nervous. I'm just not sure, like, is this, it takes boldness, because you got to know what the answer is for sure. You don't want to go into that moment like mm, I feel like we're on pretty good like footing here no like takes boldness so I just want to talk about boldness in the church today you know we've been studying the book of Acts and what we see in the book of Acts is these people who have lived with Jesus these people who have walked with Jesus and what happens is Jesus returns to the Father. And so part of what he's saying is, like, hey, whatever you have learned and seen in me, man, give that away. Like, don't just hold it onto it for yourself, but be a generous person. Don't allow the things that you've learned from me just to stay with you. Don't let them die with you. Don't even just let them grow with you. Give them away to others. And so you've watched healings happen. Be a part of healing this fractured world. Like you've seen injustice play out. Like be a part of uh, some, be someone to help bring justice to the places where it needs it. You've seen darkness emerge in the ancient world. Would you be a city on a hill? Would you be a lamp on a stand? Would you live your life in such a way that it shows the truth of Jesus and the power that's in his name? And then he goes, he ascends into heaven. And then Peter and John go to church in the book of Acts. And we've been talking about this miracle. There's this man who's not been able to walk for 40 years and he's seated outside of the temple, outside of the place of church. And Peter and John have an opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing to his life. So this man who once had never walked now is walking. And the disciples are doing the thing that Jesus most hoped they would 
do to not let his words die in them, but to allow his words to spring forth out of them and to give life to others? And do you just know like that's his heart for them and it's his heart for us today? To not just know a bunch of stuff about this book. To not just be able to rattle off a bunch of facts about Jesus. Can I tell you that just because you know facts about a person doesn't mean that you have a relationship with them. There's a lot of famous people in the world and I sure could tell you a bunch of facts about said famous people. One of them happens to be the quarterback for the most glorious football team known to man from Western New York. Doesn't mean that there's a relationship. And I'll tell you, part of what I worry about for the church in our day is exactly that. Is that we would know a bunch of stuff about God. We'd be able to rattle off data and information And the question that I'm left with is, what has the data, what has the information done? What kind of life springs up within us because we've known him, because we've seen him? And so the book of Acts, let's kind of catch up with where we've been. So chapter one, Jesus is taken up into heaven. Matthias replaces Judas. Peter emerges as a leader. So that's chapter one of the book. Okay. Chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and then Peter preaches his first sermon. The church begins to gather. And then chapter three, what we just talked about, Peter and John heal a beggar. And then Peter has a follow-up message because one message is just never good enough, right? You need a follow-up. So Peter gives a follow-up message, and then four, Peter and John are are arrested. So they are a part of this miraculous healing, and then the religious leaders arrest Peter and John. Because they don't want this message spreading. It's messing with the power structure of the ancient world, and so they're arrested. And what Kendall read for us today is what happens after. They're arrested, and then they're released. And then they are brought back into the presence of the church, of the people. So beginning in verse 24 of Acts 4, actually 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And so the prayer is what I want to look at today. So it's got a couple parts. So here's the first part of the prayer is an address to God speaking his name. So all of the people say together like, oh, sovereign Lord. And sovereign is one of these Bible words that we hear around church, but what does it actually mean? Let's figure it out together. Next slide. So it means three things. It means that God's creator, it means that like the stuff that you see, that there's intention and there's design and there's purpose to it. And that's true of the flowers you see and it's true of you, that there's purpose and there's design. It didn't just appear. And also, 
means that God's sovereign, that he's above all, he's over all, and he is within all. So there's not a situation that God has just said, no, I'm not involved in that. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in public when there's a family who's having a thing in public. I don't know if anybody's been in a moment like this. Um, but there's probably a lot of us in the room like, I'm not involved in whatever's going on in aisle seven on Hy-Vee. Uh, can I just tell you today that there's a lot of people who think that's God's posture in the world. It's like, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not getting myself involved in that. It's just, it's too messy for me to get myself involved in that conflict. There's just not a place on planet Earth where Jesus decides, no, I'm just not going to get involved in that. I'm not going to reveal myself in that. I'm not going to show up in that because that's a place that's too dark. Like that's a person's life that's too lost. We have story after story after story after story in this book, in the scriptures of what? Of God extending his grace, giving his power, making his name known in the earth, in the lives of people, in nations. And that's what he wants to continue to do. So he's creator, he's above, over, and within. And then the last thing is that what God has designed will come about. So this thing's going somewhere. And what God has designed is going to come to fruition. So even on the cross, when the story looks like it's over, when this thing looks done, it's not. Because there's a resurrection. So on the third day, he's raised to life. And then he has power to extend and blessing to give. Not just to the disciples, but to the whole world. So the kind of section one of this prayer is this address to God. And what is happening in this prayer is that God's people are, are really declaring what's true about who God is. We, we see all different kinds of names for God in the scriptures. You know, way back in the book of Exodus, God says to, to Moses and to all of Israel, he says, like, I am. Like, that's my name. Uh, you might be interested to know that in the Hebrew language, uh, the verb to be, it only exists in the past and in the future. Like they don't use it in the present. Why, Dave? I'll tell you. Because they reserve it for God. Like it's so holy. So you talk about being hungry, it's like I hungry. The word to be, they don't use it, doesn't exist. They reserve it for God to as a way to show his holiness and his matchlessness and his power. So they say together with one voice, oh, sovereign God. And then there's the second part. Verse 25 to 28 is they are recounting the truth about God. Can I just tell you, like, this might be one of the most important practices in prayer to recount what we know to be true about God. Like what our experience of him is. Not even necessarily what somebody said. Not even a, like what some pastor said about God, what some pastor's experience of God, but what has our experience of God been to recount that in prayer. The Bible has a pattern of prayer. Go to that next slide. 
So requests. So we're addressing to God by speaking his name. We're recounting a truth about God. And then we are presenting our requests. And then I love verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats, talking about these religious leaders, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's interesting, the Bible's pattern of prayer has always been to consider what truths about God anchor the viability of those requests. So like what makes requests possible? It's not us. What makes requests possible is the truths about God that anchor the accessibility of those requests. So it's about the character of God. And then I love in verse 29 and 30 that people are asking God to do alone what God can do. Do you notice what they asked him? They, They asked him to empower them. Like, God, would you empower our witness? But notice what they didn't ask him. They didn't ask to be removed from the situation that they were in. Like, would you just empower our witness? Like, strengthen us in this moment. Don't take us out of this moment, but strengthen us here. And can I just tell you, the Bible is filled with these kinds of stories. There's this story, this old story in the Old Testament about a guy who gets swallowed by a whale. Remember that one? And what doesn't happen right away is that he's just expelled from that moment. Like, he's brought out of that moment. Eventually, he is. And we can think of other moments like Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm walking through this valley. But I know that in this valley, I'm not alone, that you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. What's that about? It's about the authority of God giving us comfort. Not about our own authority giving us comfort, our own expertise giving us comfort, our surroundings giving us comfort but about the authority of God. So God, would you empower our witness? Not would you remove this, not would you lighten this load, not would you help me make sense of what's happening. Like those aren't the prayers. Not remove this, not lighten this load, not help me make sense of this. And I have a contention today that a lot of times when we come to prayer, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sense of what what has happened to us. And I just need to tell the church today that there's a lot of things that have happened in your life and that will happen in your life and you're not going to be able to make sense of them. You're not going to have an answer for why this happened and why this happened and why this happened, and why this is happening, and why this is happening. But I can tell you what you can have. You can have empowerment. So we might not have certainty, we might not have answers, but you can pray what the disciples prayed. Would you empower me? 
in this place. Oh yeah, and then verse 31, then the building shakes. What would that be like if that happened today? Verse 31. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. And if you're thinking about it, you're confused. You're like, hold on. I thought the Spirit was given in chapter 2. Like, I thought they were all in the house. And they were doing the deal. And there was like things that looked like tongues of fire and the spirit was given and if you're really paying attention you're like wait hold on I thought in the book of John I thought Jesus was like breathed on the disciples and said something like receive the Holy Spirit and you're right I think part of what we're supposed to understand the reception of the spirit being given power from on high is not a one-time gift We know about one-time gifts. Things that were given once and we're not giving them again. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that continues to be given to us. Why? Because we continue to find ourselves in deep need for a power that comes from somewhere else than me. Outside of my experience, outside of my expertise, outside of what I bring to the table. So yes, in the book of John, Jesus looks at the disciples and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And yes, in Acts chapter 2, during Pentecost, when we all kind of have our minds around provision and how God shows up in our world and in our stories, yes, the Spirit is given, but then yes, again, also in chapter 4, after this moment, when the religious leaders are standing against God's people and throwing some of God's people in jail so that everybody else would be afraid, they come back to the group of people, and boom, again, God is giving his Holy Spirit to help the people of God not shake but stand in his name. You also might be wondering, like, how many times after this moment does the church shake in the book of Acts? Uh, Zero. It doesn't happen again. And I want to talk about that today because it might be easy to read this story, read this book, and Just be discouraged, like, how come God doesn't do that stuff anymore? How come God doesn't work like that? Is there something wrong with us? Like, how come? And it's important to understand that the evidence of the movement of the Spirit in your life and in mine and in us is not that there's some visible, tangible shaking going on. But the proof, the evidence, is that life that you were given doesn't stay in you. The truth that Jesus has spoken over you doesn't just stay in you. But you become empowered to do stuff that you wouldn't do without him. To do stuff in 2022 that there's not a chance you would have done in 2020. Why? Because you have a new understanding of the depths of the Spirit's power. 
And so there's this growing that happens with it. That's the evidence of having received the Spirit. Should, could God make this building shake? Totally. It would really freak a lot of people out right now if it happened. But we're not going to go chasing that. We're not going to tie the faithfulness and the power of God to God making those things happen in our lives. What we are going to chase is where God is at work and joining him in that place. And so if it happens to be in front of some religious authorities, so be it, the disciples would say. And if it's in the quietness of a little gymnasium at a daycare, so be it, Lord. Because in both, the idea and the point is to root our lives to the one who has come, the one who has died, and the one who has been raised to life, and the one who has empowered us. There's not a person sitting here today in these wonderful colored brown comfy chairs. That nobody that has not been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus is raised to life, he's breathing not just on the disciples, not just on the twelve, but he's breathing on a world that needs to be raised to life. Okay, so let's finish up by talking about if Peter and John were here today. I think if they were here today, they would want to talk to us about a couple of different kinds of threats that we'll encounter. Can you throw that slide up for me? I think they would talk about external threats and internal threats. Because it's possible today to say, like, okay, well, the likelihood of the police department arresting us and having to go before some kind of judge down, downtown and, and talk about our faith, it's maybe not very high. And sometimes what happens is that way of thinking distances us from the truth of this book. But I think Peter and John would tell you, yes, sometimes the threat is external. Like something outside of you putting pressure on you. But I think they would also want to talk to us about a sneakier threat. One that hides a little bit easier. And that's not when a threat comes outside of you, but when there's a threat within you. When you're, you're just not really sure that you believe this stuff about God that he has spoken over your life. Like you're not really sure that you have a gift to give to the world. There's this internal threat that wants to push away your faith. And wants to encourage you not to operate out of a place of spirit empowerment. But human empowerment. And there's a couple plots I think they would want to talk to you about. The religious leaders have some plots. Some things that they wanted to use in the lives of these followers of Jesus to keep them quiet. And to keep them satisfied so that they did not continue talking about this Jesus in the public square. And I think there's three plots that the evil one would want to use in my life and in yours. And the first one's isolation. Like if the evil one can get us isolated. 
if he can get us alone, if he can get us believing that we're the only person struggling with this doubt, struggling with this thing, this dynamic. That's one of the things that he would like to do most in our life. Another plot is accusation. So that you would believe that you are the thing you have struggled with most. That something that has happened in your life, that defines you. So that a 37-minute moment of your life is the thing that will follow you forever. So he would want to use isolation. He would want to use accusation. And he would also love to retell the gospel to you. And can I just tell you that there are a lot of places, actually, where you would hear the gospel. Not just in this book. But it's not a gospel that's written in the grace and love and power and mercy of King Jesus. And so this is what happens in Genesis chapter 3. Because the evil one wants to retell the gospel story to these humans. And he says it in a couple different kinds of ways. He says, did God really say? Did God really say that you weren't supposed to eat from this tree and he'll do that to you and me like did God really say that or are you like filling in the gaps you know like the little activity pages where you connect all of the numbers and it makes a star did God really say but then he's also going to use this other weapon that he has in his holster And he's going to tell you that God's really afraid of who you would become if you had this knowledge. If you had this information, if you understood this in the depth of your being. So God's holding out on you. And I just believe today that the evil one would love to tell the gospel to us. Again and again and again and again. The core of our being is not a core that is covered in the grace of Jesus. But you just have to keep doing more. And if you would do enough, if you would make all of the right choices, have all of the boxes checked, then that's how you would experience more freedom, but it's actually a prison. And so what I love about this story today is the boldness that we see from Peter and John. Because church, it is bold to push against external threats, but it's also bold to push against internal threats. And so I just wonder today about the things that have happened to you and me that stay inside. That we don't talk about, that other people don't know about. And they have a shaping, transformative effect, not just in our lives as human beings, but in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. So what's the most bold thing you could do today? It is not to drive out of here and to stand in front of Chick-fil-A with a sign. That's not the boldest thing that you could do. I'm trying to decide if boldest is a word, but I'm just going with it. So if it's not teachers, I'm sorry. Please come back next week. I'll do better. 
It's not the bravest thing that you could do. Can I tell you what's going to take more boldness than standing in front of Chick-fil-A with a sign? It's being honest about the things inside that are threats to your becoming as a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you that it's going to take a lot of courage to have the conversation with somebody in your life and you know that the Spirit has been tapping you to have that conversation. It's going to take boldness. And sometimes I do wonder, coming at the end of this today, I do wonder if sometimes we can't receive the gift of the Spirit's boldness in our lives because we're following Jesus in a way that we don't even need the boldness anyway. So we can't receive his boldness because we don't need it. We're following Jesus in a way that's very comfortable. And so we can just let things that have happened to us lie. We can let it be. We can push it down. And what happens when you do that, what happens when you do that is that the work of God that he is doing within your heart and soul and life cannot be shared with anybody else because we've pushed it down. So we actually can't be a city on a hill. We actually can't be a lamp on a stand. Why? Because we put it under a bowl. Don't about the band up as we close today. So church, I'm going to ask that you would be bold. I'm going to ask that you would operate, that you would live in the world with an assurance That Jesus has asked you to do some hard things. He's asked you to show up to some uncomfortable places. And maybe the spot that's the most uncomfortable is the thing within you. That you would rather not talk about. That you would rather Jesus not mess around with. The room in the house that company doesn't go to. That's where all the stuff is. And I wonder if sometimes we operate that way in our life with him, what Peter and John would say to us today. It's not that a life with Jesus is a safe life. Not that a life with Jesus is a life that makes sense, but it is a profound life of deep meaning to follow him. And they would tell you that he's somebody that can be trusted. So I'm going to be mad if I leave here and I see you all out in front of Chick-fil-A with a sign. I'm going to honk at you. Because it's not what we've been called to. But we have been called to an honest work of heart within us. And church, can I just tell you, man, we could go for 20 more minutes. I'm going to be done. But if we would do that, can I just tell you that you wouldn't need to stand in front of Chick-fil-A. Because the work's happened in you. And so it would just spill out. It would spill out in your conversations with people. Like the way that you live and move and breathe. and It would just be obvious to people. Like you wouldn't have to argue about resurrection because it's like, oh yeah, he was outside the temple, couldn't walk, and now look at him. So that's why we need this internal work. We can't shut, we can't, shortcut it by standing out in the public with a sign. So 
So I pray this would be a church where we would be willing to look at those things that are in us so that God can create something beautiful within us to share with the world. Let's pray. God, we're grateful today for Peter and for John and for their testimony and for their witness. God, we need boldness today. We need boldness to be honest. We need boldness to be truthful. We need boldness for this life that you have called us to. A life that is rooted in the way of Jesus. Where our life becomes about not doing all of the things that he did, but doing what you've called us to do in the manner in which Jesus did them. So God, I pray even now as we're finishing up the gathering, God, that you would be speaking about the areas in our life that need attention, that require a conversation. And God, would you fill us with the knowledge and the truth that you're going to meet us in that place. We're not going to be left alone in that place. You promised to show up. Oh God, we believe that there's some healing that you would desire to do in us so that we could share it with the world. We thank you for the book of Acts and for the way it pushes us and challenges us and nudges us toward a way of following Jesus that is rooted in resurrection and not in more effort this in Jesus' name. Man, would you stand? We're going to sing another song. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.